My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Hello, hello, and welcome to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. And today is Monday, January 24th, and we have a special bonus episode for y'all as we are talking with Alfonso Herrera who stars as Javi in season four of Netflix's massive hit, Ozark, which returned for its fourth and final season, even though it's been broken up into parts one and two on January 21st. So I'm assuming since it's one of the biggest shows in the world that you have already binge watched it. So let me just warn you now, this conversation contains spoilers, all the spoilers in the world for season four, part one of Ozark. Alfonso was nowhere near as menacing and terrifying as his hobby character was which just goes to show how great of an actor he is so i hope that you enjoy this bonus episode and conversation and we will catch you all either later this week or next week for our usual show so first a quick break and then our chat with alfonso Okay, folks, today I am joined by Alfonso Herrera, who you know as Javi, in a scene-stealing role. And I emphasize the word scene-stealing, and that's <laughs> a lot on, And that's a lot about, a, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is how he managed to do so. Congratulations on, on the show. Today Thank is you. Monday the 24th, so it's been out for three days now. And because it's one of the biggest shows in the world, I'm sure a lot of people have already binged it and have uh, been fully immersed in your character. <laughs> so I actually want to start off with you personally. I enjoy joy. Uh, I'm always (laughs) interested in hearing about the moments when people realize that they're about to do something great. So can you tell me about the moment you landed this role and sort of what went through your head at that time? Of course. Uh, I mean, I was in Mexico City uh, during the the pandemic. It was 2020. It was around September or so. And I received uh, an audition from my agents and it was from Ozark. And I mean, I'm a huge fan of Ozark. Who is not a huge fan of Ozark? So when that happened, I saw the audition and I was like, this is incredible. This is so fun. And besides, I was reading the part and I immediately saw, sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't happen. And when I read that, I saw like the essence of this guy who he's charming, but at the same time, he hides lots of stuff. And I, and I thought, okay, it's going to be a fun audition. It's going to be a fun audition to play. So I did that. Uh, I connected to, to the, the, the casting director, an amazing casting director in New York. It was also a, an amazing experience. Um, over Zoom? Three, over Zoom, yeah. It was just like that. Mm-hmm. Just like that. And, and four days later, they, my agents told me, okay, man, it's, it's yours. You landed the role, so we have to plan you have to plan to move to Atlanta soon. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, 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 what? what? What are you talking about? I mean, it's Ozark. Because I'm a huge fan of the show. I'm a huge, huge fan of the show. And, uh, and that's how it happened. And, and when I arrived to Atlanta, it was like, I was constantly pinching myself, pinching myself. It's, it was incredible, man. Had you ever played a role like this before? Um, I did something... Um, I, I did an, uh, a part not so long ago in Queen of the South. Mm-hmm. It was with Alicia Braga and Henki Madera, two wonderful actors. But I mean, the, the way it, Ozark is written, the situation, how, are, how everything is planned. And, I, and I'm going to tell you why I think 
it's such an interesting show because we've seen so many stories that talk about uh, drug trafficking, money laundering, etc. But it constantly, those stories, they position the responsibility in the South. But this story positions the responsibility in a, in a global area, in a, in, a, in a more, in a wider context, which makes more sense because I don't know if you've heard of the story 000 from Roberto Saviano. I've, I've heard of the show. I've not watched it, but I hear it's incredible. It's, it's really good. But what Roberto Saviano plans is like cities around the world, uh, countries around the world, they navigate through this financial scheme, but it's invisible to the, to the, to the corporate eye, but it's there. And Ozark plans this in a micro world that it's in Ozark, Missouri, and that's like the microcosmos. And that happens there. So imagine what happens on a macrocosmos in bigger spaces, in bigger cities. So it plans like a more responsible view towards that specific fact. And it doesn't just, the responsibility doesn't necessarily just go to the South as constantly happens. It's a great point. I think it makes you realize that just because the cartel is based in Mexico doesn't mean that they're the only ones responsible for its continued existence. Exactly. I want to ask you, and this sort of touches on what you just brought up. How did this character to you differ from a typical Mexican drug lord that we so <laughs> often see in movies and TV? And why was that important to you? I think the important things are the, are, are the things that you hide on a scene. You have to nurture your character with the things that you're not necessarily gonna say. You have to nurture your character with things that you're not necessarily gonna say out loud, but are there. And specifically here, I mean, he's just a guy that wants to have fun. He's young, he's younger than Omar. He's ambitious, but he wants to have fun. Uh, but at the same time, he enjoys life and he enjoys these little things that can be a glass of wine, beer, a good conversation, as you, as me, as every single person. But the, 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 the only thing that differentiates this guy from us is uh, he, his past is a little bit awkward in terms of where he was raised, how he was raised. But it doesn't matter. In the end, he's just a guy that wants to have, who wants to appreciate life at its simplest. That's what I wanted to bring to set and to each and every single scene, even though we were talking about, um, I don't know, uh, for example, what happened in episode seven. I don't want to create spoilers, but he just went there at the, the last scene. He just went there and it's like, there's no difference between him having a glass of wine and understanding that he had to fulfill his work and he knew he did what he had to do and he, he feels pleasure and the balance between what's between what is one thing and the other he doesn't know how to differentiate those i hope i made myself clear yeah absolutely and i love that sort of push and pull between the modernness of Javi and the old school ways of Omar and how different exactly. those, that, those that two a, are. That is, a, that is also a very good point. He wants to 
to build uh, a corporation in his mind. He wants to build an, as he says, an LLC. Mm. He wants to build something bigger. He wants to be to to build something, uh, more, yeah, more like a corporation. And he wants to step aside of yeah, it's not just a family business. I want to to grow and to create something bigger, wider, something that I can that I was part of, and at the same time that I built. I forget. Is he the one that brings up like having it run like a tech company? Is that? Is that Javi? Exactly, exactly. He he arrives uh, with the lawyer and he says it's amazing because it's 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 very ambiguous because at some point he says okay we should run things like in Mexico like a family thing, but at the same time uh, I don't agree being a, an LLC. But in the end he wants to build a corporation. Right. He wants to have actions, etc., uh, etc. Et so when I talk to actors, something that they often cite. Uh, a key to understanding and and how to bring characters to life is not to judge them. I I imagine that's pretty difficult when playing someone like this. So how does that difficulty in not judging somebody who's objectively abhorrent influence the process of creating this character? Uh, When I first read the, 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 the the episodes, I really laughed at what he was doing. <laughs> I enjoyed him. I really enjoyed Javi. So it was not difficult for me to say, I like this guy. I, I, I really like this guy. And, and obviously there are some parts that- He's a charming I, devil. I, That's what makes him dangerous. Exactly. So I, I, I didn't have that much of a problem of not judging Javier. On the contrary, I was, and that's why it's so fun to play Javi because the the possibilities are, it's so unpredictable. He's so unpredictable that I did like five or six takes different from each one another and each option could fit in. And besides with with the, the response from great actors as Jason and Laura, like unique things happened on set. So... But going back to your question about judging the character, I didn't have that that much of a problem. I, I enjoyed Javi and I really loved reading the script. So it was it was fun. It was fun to play that. Let me ask, are you a football fan? I am a huge football. Okay. Football as soccer, right? Uh, of course, of course. Thank you. <laughs> Who, Thank you, Eric. Who's your team, sir? Well, it depends on the league. It depends on the country. Okay, well, I, the, the reason that, that I bring up football is because I saw your character of bringing on a goal scorer in, like, the final 20 minutes of, like, the Champions League final, right? Like, that's yeah. sort of how, like, you are being injected into this, one of the biggest shows on earth, to be a game changer at the tail end of it. Talk to me about what that's like. I, I don't see it like that, man. I, I, okay. I, I, I don't see it like that because I... <laughs> I constantly try to do my best. And it, it might sound cliche, but it's not. I just go there, try to do my job the best I can. Uh, all the family members, and I say family members from Ozark, were there since season one trying to do their, trying to give their A-level game, delivering their A-level game. And, um, and the only thing that I tried to do was the best I could because I knew the importance of this show and I knew the importance of this character and I didn't want to fuck it up. I really yeah. didn't want to fuck it up. I, I wanted to do something that was 
first of all interesting for me and at the same time interesting for the rest of the of the of the of, of the audience i mean that's that's the main goal and the only thing you know that it's like a final champions league game is right now like the response of the people the response has been amazing it has been very positive and the only thing i can say is uh i'm glad that you didn't fuck it up <laughs> <laughs> well sir i w- would definitely say that you achieved your goal and let me just say that what I found so compelling about the character in contrast to the rest of the characters in the show is that other than Darlene, I find that everybody in this world is very reserved and sort of their ambition and rage bubbles under the surface, whereas you were just like a firecracker on the surface level. And it brings such an interesting sort of chemistry dynamic that I don't think this show has had so far, where there's this there is this unpredictable fireball that's willing, that's liable to explode and blow things up yeah. at any second. Yeah, yeah, yes, he's a hothead. He's a hothead. He's constantly trying to go like two steps ahead of the person that he has in front. But sometimes he's not very intelligent. He, his impulses uh, is sometimes his worst enemy. And I can relate to that. I mean, who can't? <laughs> yeah. I, I know, man. I know. But uh but yeah, even though even though he's uh he's a firecracker, he's a hothead, he's trying to do his best to implode and not to explode. But in the end, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's it's not heavy sessions. And that is this internal fight that he constantly has, and he ends up exploding at some point yeah so the show has been out for a few days and because it's on netflix i'm assuming it's a binge watch so so i'm just going to say this now this is a spoiler warning because there are some things that i want to talk to you about that i have to ask about so if you haven't finished part one of season four now's your time to tune out this is a spoiler warning okay javi i mean sorry alfonso don't worry man that's a bit that's the best compliment i've had (laughs) i'm locked in now because now i'm going to ask you the nitty-gritty Talk to me about your intense face-off with Bateman. Are that like uh, where where you surprise him at the lawyer's house? Are there any stories of that come to mind? Of what was it like having to beat up on your director? Um, what I enjoyed a, a lot about Jason uh, is that his talent it's equivalent to his generosity. He mm. is incredibly generous on set, and not just with with cast, with every single member member from crew. And if you have a number one that sets the tone like that, it's very easy to work with someone like that. I mean, and, and specifically that scene, uh, that episode, it was directed by Robin Wright. Mm. So it was amazing to see that collaboration between Jason and with Robin and us working the scene together. And what I really admired from Jason was he was there and he was physically there and sometimes there was a double and he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to do it myself. It has to do that. It has, has to be that way. And uh, I was trying to be very careful because of the physicality of the scene. Right. He was like, don't worry, man. I mean, I have protection. You're good. You're cool. Let's just try to make it the, the, the best it can be. And uh, it was great, man. Specifically that scene, it was choreographed very well. And Jason, he was, I mean, he's Jason Bateman. He was game. He was, yeah, he that, was amazing. That reminds me, I once interviewed Guy Pierce, and I was asking about his role in uh, LA Confidential with um, Russell Crowe. And there's a scene where Russell Crowe throws him around the room. 
And Guy Pierce had told him, like, hey, Russ, go ahead, man. Toss me around. But then <laughs> Russell Crowe really started, like, throwing him around the room. He was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but, uh, good to hear that Bateman was game. Uh, not to get too sidetracked, but how many takes did that scene take? Um, it was, like, uh, um, uh, probably we had, like, one, two, three, four, maybe four five emplazamientos high uh yeah like five shots and from each shot we did approximately like four four to five gotcha. uh, takes gotcha. something like that it's a great scene i really do i think that you guys both his <laughs> marty bird's ability to talk his way out of life and death is an, un- <laughs> is an unbelievable he is really i mean i don't know how because if i put in in, in into marty's shoes it's like how he how can he how can can he manage like Javi, uh, his son, uh, Ruth, and he's like completely calm. And yeah. um, and Jason, he's like that. He's like super calm, yeah. super easy every every single time. And said, I mean, I guess that him as a director, as a producer, uh, he constantly has a lot of information. But he's always calm. He's always gentle with every single yeah. member yeah, from the casting crew. So again, I'm going to remind those out there, this is a spoiler question. So it's coming. What was your reaction when you read the script, when you found out that you were going to have the season, not only the se- like the season's most pivotal dramatic scene, but one of the series' most dramatic scenes where you, as cold-bloodedly as possible, put a bullet in Darlene and Wyatt. I want to hear what that's like <laughs> from your perspective as a performer to be given that moment. When I read that, uh, I was in shock. I was I was completely in shock because it's like, I mean, I've, I, I saw Darlene. I mean, we all saw Darlene and she was just amazing. What, what Lisa did was mm-hmm. incredible. And I remember I arrived to set, and I said this in another interview, but it, it, it was taken a little bit out of context, but uh, I remember I saw her, I saw, I saw Lisa, and she looked at me and it was the first time we were working together. And uh, it was her last day. And she saw me and I saw her and she just came in and hugged me. And she said, uh, this is going to be tough. And I just said, you know, Lisa, I mean, I don't know if, if, if it's an honor or if I'm sad, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just happy to be part of this process. I'm just happy to be to be sharing a scene with you. And it was a tough moment, not just for her, but for every single member. I mean, there are people that were there since season one that saw her mm. and it was very sad. They were, they, everybody was very, very sad at that moment because it was like a, a goodbye, not just from a character, but for a, for a performer. Right. Of course. Well, and so what was your mindset going into that scene? What kind of, uh, what, what was the most important thing that you were trying to portray? Uh, he just wanted to be cold, direct, and that's it. It mm. was very technical. It was super technical. I think that that scene specifically, it was super, super technical. Efficient. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, it's, I, I know it's not so meant to be funny, but I watch with my parents and, and what he says, uh, whoever you are, I don't know who you are, sorry. <laughs> we thought that was pretty funny. And I also <laughs> want to say, that this is something that Darlene learned the hard way, and I would advise Javi to do the same. There's always a bigger dog. Oh, yes. There's always oh, a bigger dog. 
Oh, yeah. And Darlene refused, refused, refused. And as soon as Javi showed up in her house, you could tell she regretted every decision that she had made that led <laughs> her up to that point. Yes. And, uh, and, and it's true. There's a bigger dog always. And uh, it's the story of, of, of life. And, uh, and who knows what's going to happen in part two. Yeah. What, what I can say, what I can say is, please, if you think it was mind blowing what happened in, in in part one, part two is exponentially, it, it, it's mind blowing. Now, can you tell us if you've shot it yet, or? Yes, we already did that. Oh, we already shot. did the whole thing. Yeah, it's in the can. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Alfonso, just a few more, and I will have you on your way. What did you find to be the most important aspect of? creating this character and what was the most difficult the most imp- the most important aspect was um uh <sighs> most important i mean we were shooting during the pandemic and it was like the second wave and it was tough it was tough to just go there work go back lock yourself in it was a responsible thing to do because that was what the platform suggested and it was the responsible thing so that part was important, important in terms of safety, in terms of, um, yeah, try to maintain my head busy. Mm. Um, I mean, I was away from home. So I tried to, to keep my head busy. I tried to read. I tried to study a lot. Um, so that was important. In, in, the, in the personal aspect, it was, not, it was not easy. And specifically talking about Javi, to, um, it was very easy and it was the predictable thing to do was to explode, you know, to just explode. And it was just to understand the scene, but try to keep the, the energy very well contained, even though what, what's happening inside of Javi, he's yelling at it, but try to, to mm. pull that energy back and to maintain it in the, in, 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 in the, in a safety zone. Is there Anything about playing a villain that you enjoy more or less than when you play a quote-unquote hero? Well, they tend to do more things that more, uh, more fun shit. <laughs> there are there are there are more ups and downs, and that is I think that is fun. That is fun to play, and specifically about Javi. I mean, talking about villains, but but Javi, I want to think as Javi as a three-dimensional character that. He just enjoys what he do, he, what he's doing. If he eats, he just enjoys. If he's gonna talk, he's enjoying it. He's really living the present. You look like in you a had a certain way. He, you, you. Oh well, just to your point, you looked like you had an absolute blast filming the scene where you go out to dinner with the Bird family. You just seemed like yeah. you were eating that up, man. Yeah, I had like. 20 oysters like people the guys from production were like are you okay uh, and i said no 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 no, don't worry i just had breakfast i just have a very light breakfast and we shot that scene at uh midnight something like that and i really i really was starving so i i i ate a bunch of oysters Perfect. and they were delicious alfonso i got one more for you and then i'll let you go what is the mo what is the key to stealing a scene without overacting <laughs> I have no idea, and that is not for me to say. I, I do not consider myself that, that I steal. Um, it's very easy to work with people that are so talented. It's very easy to just explore things that when you're studying and then you go to set and then you see the reaction of such amazing characters and amazing performers, 
it takes the scene into another place because you need that stimulus. That uh, it's a stimulo in Spanish. We say stimulo. That uh, how how can you say that in English? Stimuli. Stimulus. Yeah, that stimulus. That spark. Exactly. So when you have two eyes that are locking eyes with you, and you have someone that is like Laura Lini, poof, it's right. It's incredible. But uh, the only thing that I can say is that I, every single person brought their A-level game and the result is there. And that's why the people are enjoying this. Yes, this sir. Well, so much. Alfonso, congrats on your fantastic work in this series Thank and your you, career as whole. I really enjoyed you in this part. I can't wait to see what you do in part two. And I hope that everyone had the same reaction to your performance as I did. Because when I say I generally thought that you stole this season, I really mean that. Uh, thank you. So thank, thank you, you much, again Jay. for your time and to whatever football team you do root for. I hope they do well this year. <laughs> Gracias, Eric. Abrazo. Abrazo. And thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Take care. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 